Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. My next guest, as a MIT trained engineer, she developed the love of your team system of management over her 25 year career on the front line at top tech companies, including Apple, Sun Microsystems, IBM, and currently Microsoft. She currently serves as a transformational sales leader at Microsoft, leading a team of cloud solutions architects and customer success managers. She is the author of the best-selling Love Your Team, a survival guide for sales manager in a hybrid world, and hosts Love Your Team podcast, which focuses on retaining top talent and building high-performing teams. Please welcome to Scale Yourselves podcast, Helen Finucci. Thank you, Janice. It's so nice to be here. Oh, I'm really excited about talking about your book and it's got number one bestseller. So well done. Go the girls. Um, That's absolutely fantastic news. So first of all, let's start prior to the book, your whole kind of career. And tell me more about what you do as a transformational leader with Microsoft. Yeah, sure. So I started my career actually as an engineer in high tech with IBM transitioned into marketing and then sales. And so I've been with Microsoft 14 years. And, you know, transformational leader is broad. And so sometimes it's transforming customers' business, but sometimes it's also transforming your team and doing change management. And we've had a lot of evolution in our business. So I use that title. What I'm specifically doing right now is leading a team of cloud solution architects and customer success managers helping our customers get more value more quickly out of the technology they buy. So what does that entail on a day-to-day basis, helping your customers get more value from the technology? Because we all know often customers will buy technology and only use about 20% of it. Yes, well, in a cloud world, If they don't use what they've bought, they can also get rid of it quite easily. And so one of the things that my team does is one, sometimes they, you know, buy things and they forget what they bought. So it might include reselling, if you will, the benefits and business value. But more importantly, it's to really understand what the customer's looking for, what they bought. So specifically, let's say they bought Viva, which is a employee engagement platform. So you've got to go to different parts of the organization that are implementing to find out what success looks like from those business leaders and then put together a plan. Maybe it's bringing in partners to do implementation services And with the cloud solution architects that work for me, they get more technical. They're hands-on keyboards sometimes. They're helping, you know, really customize or maybe 
instead of customize, I should say integrate from a technology point of view into the customer's environment and system. Right, right. That's interesting. Okay. I really want to talk about your book. Yes, let's do it. Yeah. So um, love your team. Now, let's try and link it to, you know, like, and I'm sure it won't be hard. Why you decided to write a book about team and managers, why that was so important, what you saw in your career that you felt there was a real gap and a need for this. Yes, good. So what Love Your Team is a survival guide for sales managers in a hybrid world. And I've been leading uh, hybrid teams for over 25 years. And so there's a combination, obviously, of in the office and post-pandemic. I hope I can say post-pandemic, although I know it's still with us a bit. You know, ex- employee expectations have changed and they want more flexibility they want to have a whole life, not just be have a work life and, you know, a home life. And so really, you know, I started the book with during the great resignation where four million plus people were resigning from their jobs. And what is true today, even though the economy is tightening some and some companies are laying off employees, top talent can always write their own ticket. And so the power has shifted to the employees and the talent. And if a manager cannot retain their top talent, they literally risk not being able to make their quota. So if you have a top seller with a million dollar quota and they resign day one of the fiscal year, it'll take you three months to hire, maybe another six months for that person to be at full strength. That's seven and a $750,000 out of that million that is completely gone or at risk. And so I felt like I had a positive message to say, and I see the sales managers as being the critical pivot point for uh, retaining talent. A lot of people have said for a while that, well, people leave their manager, not their company. So it's critical in the innovation economy that you have sellers that have that relationship and managers can support their team or they must support their team. They must be able to help reduce the sales friction and really they can amplify and make or break the success of their team. And I think sales managers are a undervalued role often. And I wanted to put more emphasis because I think they're the key role in this um, in this equation of uh, scaling sales and success. I mean, I, w- I would absolutely agree with you. Like sales managers are the essential cog in the wheel. And if, if that's broken, and often it is, broken because they're overlooked they don't have the critical skills and also the skills that's required has very much changed post-pandemic as well so you kind of need to think about reskilling those managers there's lots of research and there's you know a recent report from foresters looking at what the skills that managers the essential skills that managers don't have and the amount of time they spend on coaching which is only about you know kind of 17 percent and why they need to be less carrot and stick and more kind of nurturing and understanding that they need to um, 
uh, they need to manage the mental health of their their team and the, be very much more nurturing. So what is the aspect that you have looked at in your book that's going to help to sales managers to leverage the new critical skills they need to go forward in this hybrid world? Yeah, so for one, I lay out the skills. So the ability to build trust, to have empathy, understand what matters to your team members, and also what matters on their terms, not the manager's terms, it's their terms. So it could be career aspirations, it could be promotions, flexibility, moving to another country, you know, Microsoft is a global organization, we have team members that want to go live in Europe, for example. And so there's fundamental skills. And the book is really a conversation by conversation guide. So what I did is I looked at the critical conversations that managers must master. There's 17 of them. And it starts with a category of conversations I call conversations of connection. And that is to get right on the right foot in terms of you take over a new team. How are you going to introduce yourself to your team? I've seen sales managers do that very effectively, and I've seen not so effective. And it really is about the team. And so I lay out in each of the chapters, you know, why to have the conversation, how to how to understand if it's needed, um, how to conduct the conversation, how to assess if it worked. And for the introducing your team, I recommend three slides. Talk about, you know, a little bit about yourself and your career and your family situation, where you live, where you like to travel, and then talk about your leadership approach. So they know what to expect from you and what you value. And so I lay out my leadership principles and approach. And then the next, the last slide is what's next moving forward. And I endeavor to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with everybody on my team. If it's a large, large team, it may take a month or two to accomplish that, but at least my direct reports. And then I talk about what to expect. And so the first set of conversation chapters is really about building that trust and foundation of connection and getting to know your team members. And then that goes into more depth when you have your first one-on-one -on -one and things like that. But if you don't have that foundation of trust, it's really hard to support your team and understand your team and also have them want to stay. And by the way, these skills are also what you expect your seller to have with their customer. Because if they can't build trust and really understand what the customer is looking to accomplish on the customer's terms, there's also a problem there. So you're also modeling the skills you expect of your sellers to have with their customers. Why do you think that... The tenure of sellers is often, on average, about, about two years. The turnover is quite great. So why do you think that this is a skill that sales managers do not have? Why do they overlook it? Is it because that there's the pressure to hit quota so they dive straight in, forgetting there is a need for this? Why do you think that's the case? I think it's a couple things. One is I think there is a traditional sales management approach. And in fact, I outline and compare and contrast traditional sales managers do it this way. 
and love your team managers, do it this way. So there's a comfort zone in how they've always done it. And I think they're, when people get promoted, they sometimes pride of their level and power and authority, and they make it about them more than about the team. So I think that that happens. And then the other thing I believe that happens too is that there's a miss. There's a a faulty notion here that in order to achieve the result, you need to focus on driving the result straight, you know, go straight at it. Like, what are you doing in pipeline? What are you doing in, you know, what's your forecast? Well, actually, it can create a situation of fear with the sellers. And so then they're not up front when they run into an obstacle and they might think, oh my goodness, I can't bring that to my boss because I might get fired. But nobody can do sales on their own. What we sell is too complex. Let's build a culture where we help each other. The manager needs to be able to apply resources and course help the seller course correct. And so I think if you don't have that kind of relationship across the team and working with colleagues, whether it's your chief financial officer or whoever in your team, product team, et cetera, and call on them to help with a difficult customer situation, it's going to be very difficult to go about closing the the sale. And that ability to have that kind of trust and relationship to really understand what's going on is crucial. And if a manager is just harping on the revenue and the pipeline without considering the bigger picture, you actually don't amplify your sales, you diminish your sales. Excellent. So this is very much a survivor's guide for managers. But what do you say to the Forrester's research that says the most valuable attribute for sales managers today is the ability to consume, analyze and act on data? So you're very much talking about the people, the trust, the empathy. But actually what they're saying is the most important attribute is the data. How do you marry the two things? Yes, well, data is a broad term. So I also look at data and and assess how my team is thriving. So there's data, you know, through obviously employee surveys, but I also look at on a daily basis, I get micro signals. Are they turning their video on during a one-on-one or a how engaged are they in a team meeting? Or are they, you know, disengaged? And so those are also data signals of how your team is doing. But to answer your question in a more traditional approach with data, I look at data every day myself. And so the data informs kind of status of what's happening. If a seller is consistently lowering their lowering their forecast or their pipeline is not robust, that needs to be addressed. That's anti into the game in sales. So absolutely, that is critical. And I have a rhythm of reviewing forecast. So the book was written when I was leading a huge enterprise, you know, a sales team uh, focused on Microsoft's most strategic customers. Now I'm focused on customer success, but I run that 
with a pipeline and a forecast of how we're doing in terms of implementing technology. So data is crucial in the underpinnings of the business. So I'm not at all diminishing that. Uh, How do you help managers to use that data to underpin the decisions they make on the individuals of how to support them? Great, great question. So my expectations for my sellers are multifold. One is to have, you know, a 3x pipeline to forecast accuracy, to obviously make quota. But other data points are how are they building relationships higher in the organization and broader? And so periodically, we will review their relationship map and who they're having conversations with and how are we bringing in executives from our company to build a deeper level of relationship and trust with the customer. So their data is also looking at where do we have relationships And do they need to prospect for new business or do we need to strategize on how they're going to be able to navigate to get to a decision maker? Maybe we know someone that knows that decision maker and we can navigate to it. So there's a lot of different data points in running a sales organization and building customer relationships and building a business. And it's not just pipeline. So that those are some additional aspects that I look at. Excellent. Excellent. So the book is very much based on, you know, the hybrid world and hybrid methods and ways of communicating, which is absolutely on the button for the need of a good to excellent sales manager. So what are the differences that you're talking about that managers need to make themselves aware of and and not only be aware of it, but in order to master? Yeah, so I think first and foremost is get to know your team and what they care about. And, you know, do you have a regular one-on-one rhythm with them? And I've heard managers say, gosh, I don't have enough time. And I would say you don't have enough time not to do that because that, if you really have insight, they're on the front lines. They know the most about what's actually happening in the customer's business. And it's not about micromanaging. Uh, at all. So get to know your sellers and figure out what you can do to help them be successful. So as an example, I empower my sellers and expect them to put together a proposal and to go through the process needed to get investments and resources as part of that proposal. And I have my seller do that business case and presentation to our senior executives. And I'm in the background, my video's off, I take notes, I debrief with that seller afterwards. And so I've captured the action so my seller can be front and center and focus. They get executive visibility and they're also building skills and confidence in doing those kinds of presentations. And I know some managers, they want to be front and center doing those proposals and those presentations to senior executives. And I flip it around. So I think it's really critical that you take every opportunity to help your sellers improve their skills, but also expect them to really own the whole thing and don't take that away from them. 
Yeah, interesting. So tell me a bit more about the executive brief uh, briefings at locations and customer locations. This is a way that you've adapted in the kind of post-pandemic world. Yeah, that's a really great question. So think the dynamics have changed. We used to go to visit customers every day, every week, you know, whatever frequency. We used to hire sellers that were co-located by the customer's headquarters. But what we're finding is a lot of the customers are not in their offices either. So what we end up doing is we end up having these moments and times like large executive briefings, maybe in our headquarter location in Redmond, maybe Washington State, maybe it's in Silicon Valley if, that, if that's a collection point and we have offices there or a customer's location, or maybe it's in conjunction with an industry conference that everyone's traveling to. So we have these moments in time where we talk about strategy and understand business changes on the customer side, but also on our side. And then the sellers will work more virtually day to day uh, with the customer. So we, we've kind of seen a shift to these anchor opportunities, maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's twice a year, anchor opportunities for kind of executive engagement and kind of look, talking about overall business strategy, but the day-to-day -day is much more virtual. Lovely, lovely. So Helen, we met in Napa not so long ago, actually. We've been right. aware of each other online for a long time, but I was lucky enough to speak on stage with Mary Shea in the Women in Sales Summit. Yes, I have never, ever in my pretty long career, <laughs> um, been in a Women in Sales conference. Kudos to Outreach for that. Yeah, absolutely. So we had a you know conversation. We we're there with like-minded people and really focused on how we can move the needle because we've been talking about this for a long time. We're both very passionate about this, how we can move the needle for the sales or levels to be more diverse, not just gender, but more diverse across the board. So really what, what's your view? How can we move the needle beyond where we are, are now? Well, a couple things. One is make sure we have open roles that you are insisting on intervie interviewing diverse candidates. <clears throat> so that's a standard practice in my company at Microsoft that we have diverse candidates and particularly for se senior positions. You also need to build a regular pipeline of candidates. So it's networks are crucial and find out who knows different people who might be good candidates, obviously post on LinkedIn. But one of the things that I learned at that conference, and this was from Hang Black, talking about go to where the diverse candidates are. So there's a tendency in large organizations to recruit from top universities and to ignore other universities, which are pools for talent, or there's also various organizations, women in tech, as an example. And so go to where the diverse candidates are. We have some, so there's obviously gender diversity, but diversity of thought. There's underrepresented minorities, Hispanic, for example, 
So there's a lot of different ways to build a diverse talent pool. And in tech, I would say we have a long way to go. I mean, it's better than 20 years ago, but I will tell you it's very rare that I have more than 10 to 25% of my team is female. Um, as an example, it's, you know, gender diversity is not the only category. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that some research that I, I tabled was from Harvard that said that if you have a talent pool where the minority is the majority, then you're more likely to recruit a diverse team of people. So you have to put you know, more in the mix and, and much wider afield. And also, you know, looking at what, what it takes to be a top sales professional, a degree isn't going to help you be a, a top sales. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be well qualified. We are. But actually, what are the the skills? What is the willingness to sell? Where does that hunger actually come from? Well, that actually comes from a whole host of different areas and the willingness to sell is really one of the key factors you've got to be hungry for it as well because it's such a difficult industry so we do need to you know, I completely agree with hand black actually go go where the diverse groups are and that's your talent pool why aren't companies doing that why haven't they done this in, in the past because it, it seems quite obvious really yeah i'm not quite sure university recruiting you know, has their relationships and they do what they do. It doesn't prevent, however, a manager like myself from seeking out talent in maybe not so obvious places. And that can be my pipeline because university recruiting is early in career hires, but we need to have a talent pool that goes through every stage of career, every level, and really seek out places. In fact, you know, at the conference, there were so many talented women there that they now become a great resource and network because they may know other underrepresented minorities or women or diverse, just diverse candidates. And so it really behooves each of us to build and seek out those diverse talent pools and bring them into the company. It is an ongoing process and challenge. And if you don't hold leaders accountable for building diverse organizations, you're not going to get that. Just like if you don't hold them accountable for building strong team cultures, Without that accountability, it all breaks down. And so it has to start at the top as well and be a priority in the organization. And, you know, we we at Microsoft, like many companies, we publish our statistics and we just, in fact, publish our diversity report. And so while we've made progress, it's not nearly where it should be. Yeah, yeah. So... Who is your hero or shero, Helen? Well, I think, so Harriet Tubman, when I was going to college and filling out my application, she was my hero and role, role model because I had, I thought she demonstrated so much strength and courage to bring the slaves out of slavery and do that. She created what's called the Underground Railroad. And that to me was just, astounding that she had that gumption 
and strength to do that in the face of very real danger. And there is a um, Harriet Tubman house and place where, you know, she get recognition in Auburn, New York, very close to my dear aunt. And so I became aware of her at a very young age of Harriet Tubman. And so that's who I wrote about. And I still think that her attributes and her strength and courage are inspiring. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. So, Helen, how can everybody get hold of you and buy your book? Give us the links. Yes, well, it's on Amazon. Love Your Team, A Survival Guide for Sales Managers in a Hybrid World. It's on Amazon. There's a Kindle version and print versions. And then the audio book actually will be coming out in January. Fantastic. So is LinkedIn the best place to contact you? Yes, it is. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast. It's been a pleasure hearing about this really important area of sales managers and the survival guide and what's really needed. And thank you for sharing your experience. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I so appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.